You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Rob Hollis is here. <laughs> Rob? Yep. Hi, Michael. Dude, I, I just love... Uh, we got a new room. You can't see it right now, but you might in some pictures, but we're filming out of a new room in the house. It's it's. I like to call it the library. The library? What do the English call it? Uh, the library. I don't know. Well, whatever. <laughs> they man. might have another name for it. A lot it. of hockey jerseys in here. I'm a big hockey fan. Maybe, maybe we should get some movie posters because we do have a lot of actors. No? You like you, you like the I hockey? Because like, you're like a big hockey movies. fan, Rob. Yeah. You do. You, we go to hockey games together. I'm taking you to a, a Bulls game. This and, is fun. And hopefully a Hawks game. Yeah. Our guest today has been in so many things. You might remember him from Lost. I think he was on a season or two. Very memorable role. Lord of the Rings. Um, he's got his own animal show. Um, Wild Things. Called Wild Things. Um, he comes out and plays softball with me and my friends. He's just a down-to-earth guy. He's a, he's a great guy. We, we get into everything. Um, he seems pretty fearless. I mean, he's not a big guy. You look at him, but I guarantee he can kick my ass and definitely your ass too, right? Yeah, he would kick your ass. And your ass. Yeah. He'd kick our asses. He would kick our asses. I don't think at the same time, Maybe. Though. I'd grab something. While you were getting the shit beat out of you, I'd grab like this uh, Raiders of the Lost Dark, uh, uh, what's his name? Dr. Jones's statue. And I'd smack Harrison him in the head. With, I'd kill him right there. Dominic Monaghan. <laughs> Let's get inside of Dominic. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I have a friend who I did this Midsummer Night's Dream thing with last year who does a filmed podcast where. They watch a classic wrestling bout, and then they talk about it. He's a wrestling freak. Like old, like like old uh, Snooka, Jimmy Fly, Jimmy Superfly Snooka versus right. like uh, whoever. Right? I, I don't because I don't know those people. You don't know the names. No. You remember Andre the Giant? Yes. You got to remember him. I know Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Rand, What's the name? Randy uh, Super Randy Randy Randerson. Macho Man Savage. It was that like Macho a handsome Man boy or something? Some uh, like yeah, the Natural. Yeah, Mister Natural. Uh. There's some. There's probably three wrestling people right now who are going, these guys are fucking morons. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. So he wanted me to do it, and I said I'd love to do it, but I would be inadvertently disrespectful to your medium because I know nothing about it. Yeah. And I kind of I'm, – I'm not crazy on the kind of fakery of it, you know? Well, it's, it's art. It's an art like anything else. Do you think it's good art? Look, I grew up in a small town in southern Indiana, Dominic, okay? And, uh, you know, people dipped. You know what dipping is? The tobacco Chewing thing? tobacco, and uh, they drink Bud Lights, and they watch wrestling, and uh, we uh, drink out of garden hoses, and uh, <laughs> we liked our wrestling, and I kind of got into that in the little days of our lives. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe I was a little effeminate. It was the art. No, dude, I did that. I did soap operas in England. You know, I mean, Neighbours came from Australia. That's where Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan came from. And Guy Pearce. Really? So all uh, soaps. You know why? Because they're all beautiful people. Yeah, yeah. See, I never got, they would never cast me on a soap because I wasn't handsome enough. Right. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, he's, yeah, he's not really good looking, but he's not bad looking. Right. He could be the handsome guy's best friend. Who cares friend, about brother. all that, right? Right. Well, a little bit. Hey, Dominic. Martin. We don't have a choice either, do we? No, we don't have a choice. Right. I feel like if, if you can't if you can't change it, you have to embrace it. You know. I think I, the best thing to do is embrace it. And let's look. For instance, my friend Rob, not this Rob. This is Rob, producer Rob, who yeah. has a uh, child. He's twenty eight years old. He already has a kid. Good for you, Rob. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, twenty eight. What was I doing? 
I was not. Well, maybe I was having babies. I just don't know about it. I was having babies in a in a dish towel that sat next to my bed in college. <laughs> yeah, I was practicing. You were uh, in college at 28? No, it was a joke. But maybe. <laughs> maybe I was. I wasn't the brightest. I mean, it took me an extra semester or two to, to graduate Western Kentucky University, which I think you had to have a 2.2. That's not a high score in the state. What did you study? Um, what did, what you did I study? You know, I, I, uh, acting, of course, and communications. <laughs> Might have taken a psychology course. Oh, fuck. I, I, wish think you, I, I think I bowled. I wish you'd let me guess, because every actor that I know, you say, what do you study at college? Drama, communication studies, English lit, maybe, yeah. theater. Well, maybe. you, you well, first of all, I want to say, Dominic, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. Rosie, thank you. This is a treat, because where did we meet? Do you remember where we met? I do, actually. Where? Well, if I get it right, we yeah. met at a Lakers game. We met at a Lakers game. Yes. You were with our agent, mutual right. agent. Right, who's a big basketball fan. Huge basketball He's fan. 6'3"? Six, 6'3". Three? Six, three. He played college. Played college, got right. injured, but still loves the NBA, loves the Lakers. And uh, he had spoken about you a few times, and he actually said, I think he'll be here tonight. Let's see, because we'll probably go to a suite-type situation. Yeah, it's called the chairman's lounge, the chairman's room. It's uh, at halftime. It's a Jerry Buss has this room and you'd go there and there'd be other people looking at each other going, oh, that's the that's, guy from, and that's. That's that famous person. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. So we met and, you know, he did that great agent thing, which is like, you guys should meet because he's always going to be working. You're always going to be working at some point. You guys will cross paths. And then I came to, I think two, possibly three. Softball? Softball games. You came to play softball. You're like, you know, in Hollywood, a lot of times people go, hey, why don't we go do this? And they're like, yeah. And they never do. Yeah. But with this, it was like, hey, man, you want to play softball? You're like, totally, mate. But I don't know you sounded like that. <laughs> say totally, mate, like you'd say it. Totally, mate. See? I wasn't totally, way off. Mate. You went way off. But what I was impressed about you in that regard was... Because that was you put that together, right? That was yeah, your thing. I'm like the Clark Griswold. You know Clark Griswold. He's like National the, Lampoon. Like he's the vacation. He's the father. He, I organize things. Right. And people always expect me to get the group together. It's a lot to handle. It's yeah, a lot yeah. to put. It's a lot of pressure to but put on someone. I, I appreciated. Oh, I like your Christmas story lamp right there. Oh, thanks, man. Um, I just saw that. I uh, fragile. Must be. It just came, <laughs> fragile. Fragile. Uh, it just came in two months late. It was supposed to be here for Christmas, and I got it in late January. Fuck! I ordered one of these little mini. I, I'm not going to do this again. I ordered one of these little mini projectors yeah that you, you know yeah you see those work from instagram they do work but it was on instagram for like 70 percent off sale and i was like boom i'll get that instead still of haven't being, gotten it no it's so like, go back to what you like about me i want to hear that dom <laughs> okay <laughs> keep talking about me no yes, what, I, what i appreciated hello what i appreciated about that <laughs> uh gesture and about it in practice is i agree with you i think most people don't do that most people don't show up but most people don't rally people to show up because not only is it a little bit of pressure and it's a little bit of hassle but you're also like sticking your neck out for a little bit of a failure because you yeah, know if you say sure we're doing a softball game and there's going to be drinks and we're going to have a team thing and we'll all get together and maybe go for lunch afterwards and three people show it up it could scare people off then it shows that people are like we're not really that into but i him, think you know? the inner child in me i think people see that Rather quickly, it's something in me that, you know, since I, I just n sort of never wanted to grow up, I want to keep that fire burning. I want that fun. I don't want it to be all work. And I think we all get caught up in so much stress in our lives yeah. that we're like, work, 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 and I have to do this, and I have to do this. And I'm like, you know, I'm set in a couple of days, sometimes more, for myself and my friends. And I do it for me. I want, I want to have fun, but I do it for my friends, too, because I know everybody works. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you get a good group of people together right. consistently – it just changes the psychology of like how you look at things. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, you know, when I don't do that, 
I seem to get caught up in stupid shit. Yeah. So yeah. I'd like to be a little bit free spirited and go, hey, let's get together. We're going to have a softball game. We're going to go get some lunch afterwards with the Loved peasant. It. It's a couple hours of your day, you know, and it's funny because people, you know, do show up. There's been a lot of different folks that show up throughout the years and some older, some younger and uh, everybody just has fun. But yes, you're right. You set yourself up for, for failure. I think if I invited a whole bunch of people and they never, nobody showed up, I probably would play with myself. Or yeah. something, bowl. We, we all do that. Yeah. Um, it was good. I've not played softball that many times before. That was fun. You were good. Thank you. You were good. You're an athlete. Well, yeah. I can use my body, you know, so I like that thing. Um, and also, do you have that thing where, as an adult, you, one of your go-to social things is the cinema, right? What are we going to do tonight? Oh, let's go out and do something. Okay, we'll go to the cinema. We've, we've got that. Everyone knows they can go to the cinema. Then you have, like, bowling, maybe. It's kind of a gimmicky thing, but I'll go bowling. Right. Maybe laser tag, yeah. Museums. I've been doing this thing or, or putting it into my head recently of like, okay, every weekend I'm going to go online. The the 15 best free because I'm cheap. Sure. Museums, art galleries in LA. Go there in the morning. Set yourself up. Maybe like you that. could write me a list to do that. Yeah. Do you recommend it? Have you been consistent with this? I've only just started, but went <laughs> to an incredible. Um, um, it's not not really an art gallery. It's more of a installation. It's the word I was blushingly groping for. Right. Um, installation, which is a tiny little room, much smaller than this, half the size of this room, which doesn't really work because we're not on video. Right. Small. It's a small room. It's a small room. And it was. It's called something like um, before I was born. So it's kind of you walk into someone's dream. The entire space is filled with art. So the floor that you're walking on is is clear. But the walls, the ceilings, it's very uh, dream state. So there's things kind of floating in air. Do you smoke there's... any grass when you go into this? I think smoking weed would have been helpful. Um, Did you like it still? Loved it. Really? I should I, go to this? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's still around. I'll find out. It might be in its last week. Yeah, let me know. Uh... Um but the week the weekend before that, I did a ton of mushrooms, and it very much complemented the mushroom. Mushrooms. I've never done mushrooms. I'm afraid that something's going to happen. Yeah, it I, is. Actually, that's not true. I did mushrooms. I tried to forget it. Thanks for bringing that oh, up. Oh, it was a bad experience. Well, uh, my friend Rob wants, not this Rob, he took mushrooms, and we were with his wife at this cabin and her friend, and he took mushrooms, and he flipped the fuck out. He went Jack Nicholson. He went Jack Nicholson Shining Day 16. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I go, let's go lock ourselves in the bedroom downstairs. And we did. And then finally we waited an hour. I put a dresser behind. He's just like out of his mind. But is he a slightly out of his mind type He's just slightly out of his mind, but he's like just, a, he's brilliant. But he just flipped his lid. And uh, finally after, yeah, get comfortable, man. But after about two hours, I said, I'm going to go check on him. They're like, be careful. And I went upstairs he had completely rolled himself up on mushrooms in an area rug. Brilliant. And I peeked in through the, you know, it was wrapped up like a little unagi sushi. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him inside and I said, hey, buddy, you okay? Well, I want to go home. And it was a tough time. And I unrolled him. I said, are you ready to be unrolled? <laughs> and, you know, I gave him a hug. And you birthed him. I birthed him. That's beautiful. And uh, it worked out. But I don't, I don't, I don't like going into something you have to go in with the right frame of mind pal, yeah you do right well, you have to you might have to have the right frame of mind period not necessarily have one for that day you know they talk about right. 
set and setting in these situations once you're getting into a psychotropic world or anything that changes your experience set and setting like i you know i think alcohol is probably the first thing that i expose myself to that has the ability to change your mood and i didn't realize until years into drinking alcohol that it's going to amplify that mood so if you're coming in excited you're going to get more excited if you've had a shitty day it might potentially make your day a bit shitty psychotropic plants will get to a point sometimes if you expose yourself to enough of them where they have more of an influence over you than you have over them. So they'll just say, oh, thanks for the opportunity to be at a higher percentile than you are in your body. And now we're going to expose you to this pain, this shit, all this joy. But the pain thing is also going to help you learn as well. I mean, my experience with these things has been- Hallucinogenics. Hallucinogenics has been one of, uh, I mean, when I first got into it as a kid, it was more like a goof. Like, oh, let's take- First time I took mushrooms, 16. Rob, when was the first time you took mushrooms? Never did. No. Never. You never. You haven't even take, had one in your salad, have you? Turn you into a fun guy, to be, be honest. honest. Yeah. I've, I've eaten mush, mushrooms in my salad, yeah. Okay, great. You're, <laughs> you're a stud. Um, that's it. Have you ever done any marijuana? Um, I have, yes. You have? Mm-hmm. And you're a drinker? Uh, not a heavy drinker. You're crossing your arms. Are you uncomfortable with these questions? Yeah. No, I just... No. The mic. Well, you don't have to turn to me and look at me. turn to you. Now. I don't... Stop. Now he's really uncomfortable. He wants to have a conversation <laughs> with me. Well, I'm just curious because, I mean, I drank in college, but I was always a bit of a control freak where my brother, he drinks and he can't stop and he wants to do the next thing and the next thing and it alters his personality. And I told him one day, I fucking love you. I love you when you're sober. And when you're out of control, I, I don't want to be near you. And there's some people, are you like that where you become a different person or are you just more of a jovial, fun? Uh, it's difficult to have a perspective on your own well, Have sense. friends said something to you in the past? Like, hey, Dom. Oh, I mean, I've had my moments. Sure. Are we talking about alcohol? Are we talking about well, alcohol? alcohol with it? Yeah, sure. I've had my moments on alcohol where I've, I've been a little feisty. Um, I, I, certainly in my younger days, it just made me more playful and silly. I'm a little mischievous. I'm a little... Uh, what could we? What could I, I want to get in trouble. What could we do? Where could we go? Yeah, or like if if they're drunk and I'm drunk, and they say something like, "Ah, that thing really gets on my nerves." You know that thing, that subject that you're talking about. Then I'll. Well, why? Like, why? Why does it really? Let's. What? Oh, yeah, that does it. Because I want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to do that thing. And it's like my dad told me years ago, and like I don't want to make out like I've been in a ton of fights because I haven't. But my dad said years ago, no one wins a fight. Which is completely true. You know, you, no one gets out of that shit alive. There's always some cost that you're paying either physically or mentally you've taken yourself to a weird place. And it just doesn't, it doesn't serve you. You know, it doesn't do anything. It sounds, it sounds like you had some good role models growing up. Would you yeah. say that? You grew up in Germany? Yeah. Well, my, both my parents are Mancunians. They're both from Manchester. Right. Um, but there was a program, which I think still exists, but at a slightly slimmed down level, where if you were a teacher the British government would pay you to go to places where they have English forces stationed around the world, Hong Kong, Australia, different places in South America, educate the uh, army forces kids, and they'll pay you. You get a great life. You get paid, you get your mortgage paid, you get your car, you wow. get a free car. So my parents were like, yeah, let's go do that. So we went to Berlin. Well, they went to Berlin. I was born there. We then moved from Berlin to Dusseldorf, then from there to a place called Dusseldorf. Munster. Dusseldorf or Dussel? Dusseldorf. I was just you there. Say. Yeah, no shit. I was just there Do a couple what? months ago. Um, we have a little band called The Sandwich. We went there on tour and to Frankfurt and Berlin, and then we took a drive. We took a train 
to Dusseldorf, the castle. Right. And we just hung out there all day, and I bought a little knight, a miniature, miniature knight. Right. And uh, now, how do you feel about I love castles? Okay, good. Well, he went to the right place. He went to Europe. They're oh just fucking God. lying all over. Sprechen Sie etwas Deutsch? Können Sie lesen und schreiben oder sind Sie einbauen, Junge, mit nur einem Fachnamen? Where did you learn that shit? I did this terrible, terrible movie in Germany years ago, and no one's ever seen it, and no one should. Um, <laughs> no, it's just it, we had to dub the whole movie because the sound was lost. Right. And so it just you can't, it's unwatchable. And that was your biggest line? But do you know, speak German? Well, or do you, do you Nico, write or read Nico it? was my driver. And every morning, Nico would pick me up and go, Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen, Mr. Rosenbaum. I'm like, hey, Nico, how do I say I shit my pants in German? He's like, Michael, why do you want to learn that? No one wants to hear that shit. And I go, come on, just tell me, man. I'm only here for a short time. I'm an American. This is what we do. We want to learn bad words. Right. So he's like, ich habe in der Hosen gemacht. That means I shit my pants. So every day, how do I say, hey, uh, our asshole, Michael, Arschloch. How do I say? That's great. You learned some I German. I hate you. Ich hasse dich. Ich liebe dich. Ich mach dich. Ich uh, liebe dich. Ich great. Ich, ich liebe dich. Yeah. I love. Uh, hey, da, hey, da Hoopsha. Right? right? Hey, da Hoopsha. It's like, hey, pretty girl. Right. Um, Cutie pie. Did you learn guile? Do you know that thing? Guile, guile is like. Guy's like cool, but with a cool. s- but, but with a sexy kind of slant. And Germans don't say cool; they say cool. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, but guile's really, really uh, a nice word to uh, know because it's kind of the, what the kids say. Like if something's cool but sexy, kind of funky, you need guile. to listen to it, whatever, or watch oh, it. Oh, that's guile. It's a guile. Yeah, it's cool. guile. Now, did you partake in any German food? Because some of the German food for me is the best in the world. Yeah, I think I had a bratwurst and okay. some of that stuff. Currywurst amazing. I think they make the best bread on the planet. Really? Our German bread, man. Just full of seeds and nuts, and it's really kind of good Just for you. fattening stuff, right? There's a lot of fattening stuff. Yeah. The, the, like the big main meals that they do, I'm not as crazy about because uh, it's kind of gravy and soupy and stodgy and heavy, but they make amazing bread. They do really good candy. Do you have candy over there? I didn't. Dude, like the sour candy. Really? Best in the world. I'm a big sour candy fan. I don't know about you. Like the gummy, chewy. You like that shit. Oh, fuck. I'm, how old are you? 41. See, I'm 45. Maybe it's just. Are you really? You look great for 45. Do I? Like 25. Oh, thanks, man. But, you know, I, I, you know I, what happens is with the, with, you know, the, the gummy things. One time I had a, a bad experience. I had a, a bit into a gummy bear and part of my tooth got caught in it or something. Something happened. And I just had some, you know, sweet and sour problems sweet and sour moments yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i just I, I i like those things but i you know i don't do them i don't do them I, all the time i don't do them hardly any right, of right, the time right. now but when i do them i fucking you do fucking them. go balls I, out. I house them and i want the best in the world because i figure now if you're gonna like i i'm pretty much uh vegetarian now you right. know with every so often if i see something amazing. is that because of working with all these animals so closely and your love for animals over the years was it more of that than it was something else no i think it's more along the lines of a nutritional digestive feeling not to say that i don't love animals not to say that that wasn't an influence on it i found and i don't know if you found the same but one of the more sobering things about aging is Things just don't work quite as well as they used no, to. No, they not, don't. They're not on automatic anymore. Yeah, it's I, like, remember the old days, not to be, you know, <coughs> spoiler alert, uh, when you had a perfect turd that came out, yeah. and then now it's like fucking patty cake Sally. Come on, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying, Rob? You know what I'm talking about? It's your diet. Maybe I'm diet. eating too much, too many different meats and things, and 
Yeah. I just, you know, I crave burgers. I crave these things. But maybe if you stop, like, eating them, you'll eventually stop that craving. I, I, There's other things to eat, you know? Dude, I thought I would crave it for the rest of my life. I was very much meat-oriented, pretty much meat for lunch and dinner every day since I was a kid. And I remember thinking, I don't know how I can be vegetarian because I'm basically just going to be eating sides. I'm going to be eating, like, broccoli. That's what I think, too. But you get to a point where... It becomes automatic. It becomes a meal. I felt better. I felt lighter waking up in the morning. I felt better. And it's just what what's good about it is because I'll eat meat again at some point soon. It makes the meat more special because it's it's a treat, you know. And when I do it, I go fucking balls. And you out, don't have you know? any sort of uh, adverse reactions if by not you know if you're a vegetarian, then all of a sudden you eat meat every once. So you're saying every once in a while you'll have meat, yeah. and it doesn't affect you. It does. You know what I mean? Some people have a burger and then they'll just be ill feeling. Yeah, I probably wouldn't just dive into like a cheeseburger or something. I'd get something, you know, a nice piece of meat. But yeah, it, it does. It does affect me. Yeah, yeah. Inside of You is brought to you by Netflix. Battle Creek, Michigan, 1963. Kellogg's and Post, sworn serial rivals, race to create a pastry that will change the face of breakfast forever. A wildly imaginative tale of ambition, betrayal, and menacing milkmen, sweetened with artificial ingredients. Unfrosted stars Jerry Seinfeld in his directorial debut. It features a supporting cast of comedy greats, including Melissa McCarthy, Jim Gaffigan, Hugh Grant, Amy Schumer, Max Greenfield, Christian Slater, Sarah Cooper, Bill Burr, and many more. Friday, May 3rd, only on Netflix. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. This is an amazing platform. I use it on both podcasts. It has worked wonders for me. It's so amazing how easy it is to navigate. If you want to sell products, T-shirts, soap scents, whatever whatever it is, Ryan, you want to sell, this is the way to do it. Uh, you can see what your best seller is right there, analytics, uh, how much you're making this month, uh, what products are selling the best. It's really fantastic. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. I take a lot of these like cool and groovy, whatever, very actory tinctures and you know, herbal What's medication. What's a tincture? Like a, it's basically like herbs in a liquid, in an alcohol I like that form. you say herbs. Thank you. I'm well, because there's a fucking H in the word, right? There, well, there was a band called Herbs and Peaches. Right. Rob, look it up. 
What was that song they sang? Peaches and Peaches and Herb. His name was Herb, I guess. Yeah, Herb Albert. So it was supposed to, no Peaches and Herb. They sang Reunited. 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 Yeah, yeah. That was, I don't know why we went off on that. I did second chorus. You did first chorus. Yeah. That's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like that you knew that song. Well, I was talking about this the, the other day, and Eddie Izzard, who's probably my second favorite stand-up comedian after Bill Hicks, but I think he's... Bill Hicks is my favorite. He's extraordinary. Rant in E minor. Yeah, Rant in E minor. Best, Arizona uh, Bay. Arizona. Oh, All that shit. genius. But, but Eddie Izzard says this thing, which is true, that like we pronounce it herbs, and you guys pronounce it herbs because there's a fucking H at the start of the sentence. <laughs> you guys don't follow your own rules. You don't say hello or how are you. Yeah. You say hello. <laughs> hello. How are you? So you guys just suddenly Oh, wait. Went, you say hello. Hello. Yeah, yeah we really? go hello. Yeah, you do the opposite. All right, mate. Yeah. And, and you guys um, suddenly chose to be Jamaican because that's what Jamaicans do, right? Herb, we want some herb, man. We want some yeah, herb. we got some herb, man. And then not, only, then not only that, but the whole herb embargo has been fucked up by you guys because then you do oregano oregano basil basil and fucking cilantro which is coriander so i don't know where i don't know why you guys suddenly went that's into the herb smart. market it's pretty smart you guys went into the herb market and just said we're going to completely rip up all these words because we don't like them and start again it becomes confusing you're the only I'm gonna start saying herb you're the only country in the world that herb. does fahrenheit you're the only country in the world that does pounds not on the metric system fuck I mean, I love the states, but we already we already have some major I'm sorry, problems we've going caught, on right we've now. Okay, a scene here. there was another school shooting, and now you want to bring up our how I we know. say herbs? Yeah, it's terrible. for fuck's sake! No, it is. It's terrible. I mean, so, do you guys do, do you as someone from the United States, as someone who's dealt with this since as a kid, the debate? Do you do you see any way of solving that situation? What situation? The gun situation. Man, you want to get into gun control? Just uh, how it would actually get solved? Well, the NRA has just there's so much money there. That you just, you know, it's never, it's always going to be an issue because the, the rich, the elite, they're always going to, you know, they're backed by these people. And, you know, there's so much, I can get into the whole thing about the Second Amendment, but the reason the Second Amendment with guns was even, you know, right to bear wild arms west. was, it, it's archaic. It's like, it's wild west, so many, right? it's a wild west when you go like, okay, you could have a, your, the right to have a, a gun at your house, not a. M16 or whatever right. the hell these people. And also a gun at your house at a time where potentially there might be yeah. a coyote or someone coming to your door that could Yeah, it made sense, but now it's like things change. I mean, we had slaves then. We don't now. Things evolve. We evolve, thank God. So th- why can't we evolve with this? Look, well, I, think one of the, yeah. I think one of the issues going on with the states is this this version of the United States, the... the um, the United States that came over from Europe due to religious persecution is there's a lack of a deep, long lasting history. And the, one of the longest lasting pieces of history for your country is the amendments. So you cannot fuck with the amendments because that's what you've got. That's what you guys are hanging on to. That's your scaffold. Yeah. Right. So when someone says, but it's in the, it's in the amendment. Well, yeah, but so is another bunch of ridiculous rules in the amendment. You have to at some point go, these don't work. Let's write new amendments, you know? Exactly. I mean, Australia had mass shootings as bad as the United States up until 1984. Right. They banned automatic weapons. They've not had any mass shootings since then. None. So why isn't that? You have a lot of people in the new administration saying, we're not going to do it because if you look at these countries, it doesn't work. I mean, healthcare clearly works in Canada. Healthcare clearly works in Europe, it's slower. You know, my mom has neck and back and hip problems and all that kind of stuff. She had a choice of going private and probably having a, a uh, hip surgery within six weeks 
or doing it through the National Health Service. She was a nurse. She worked for the National Health Service for 35 years. So she went through the National Health Service. That took about six months. But she was happier to do that because she wanted to say, I support the National Health Service. It's supporting that system. What, What terrifies me about the health service in this country uh, you know, I have gardeners that work on my yard and stuff, a lovely Mexican guy. Right. And he, he doesn't have insurance. If he falls down my hill and breaks his leg, what are his options? You know, like. You? Yeah. You're his option. What, what can he Tom, do? Tom, can you help my leg today? Right. Right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. No, it's true. Scary. It's a, I, mean, I don't want to diss America. I love being here. No, no, no. And you're not dissing America. I think these are just important things <laughs> to talk about, you know? It's funny because I rarely talk about these things on my show. I, I just, I go, you know, because that's all we hear. So we hear is it's everywhere. It's like it's so you wake up. Twitter is like uh, the um, in the Inquirer now. Right. It's like all these topics, and they just smash breaking news, CNN. So it's hard for me. Like I'm a, I'm a pretty liberal guy, except for you know capital punishment. I have different theories on that. Oh, you do? I do. I'm, I'm more uh, conservative on that. But that's like my only one. Yeah, I just what's going? On? I just I'm not. We don't have to get into it. I'm just saying. You know, I what, just you think that people. I, I think that. I, I think that it takes too long, and I think there are some are, there are a few mistakes where someone's innocent. That rarely happens, but it does happen. But I think if it's clear that someone just killed a family, went in and raped someone, and killed them, and took the you know, rape to me is like you're taking someone's life, even if you're not. Sure. Would they have to deal with that for the rest of their lives? Sure. And to me. Why do you need trash? What do you put them in prison? And so we're paying for it. And it's like, and they say capital punishment, but it's more money because they wait and they wait. Well, let's let's fix that. There's, let's put I, them on the fast track. I, I'm weird like that. That's the only thing you want to get. Like, you know, like I said, I'm pretty liberal with everything, but with that, I just I I, I can't imagine somebody if I had a girlfriend, you know, when I had a girlfriend, somebody raped or my mom or killed my family. I'm like, oh yeah, the judicial system. They'll just put them in prison for the rest of their life, and they'll have meals every day, and they'll have structure to their life, and they're like. No, why? Why not just end? You don't feel this way. I don't believe in the death penalty. No, you don't. Why? Because I don't think that we are in a position where we can make that decision. Why? I mean, we, they were in a position to make a decision. They, they're, they're obviously mentally ill. Are, well, what's the difference? If somebody says he killed someone, and then they say, "Yeah, but he was mentally ill." But don't you have to be mentally ill to kill someone? Yeah, but I, I think there's a little. There's a. That's easy to say. They're mentally ill. They're this. I mean, there's there's obviously different types of mental illness. You you can be you know fucking sticking sausages in your ear and playing with your own shit, and then go and then go rape someone, and you're mentally ill. Or you could be someone who looks like a normal person and still rape someone. There's still it's still mental illness. Right. I think those type of people potentially are holding a secret as to what is happening inside their brain to allow them to think that this thing is good and potentially studying those people to stop this from happening in the future. Because otherwise... I how many do we have to study before we figure that out? Well, if we start finding congruent, you know, things going on with their brain, we can isolate it and then we can see it in kids and work with them before that thing happens, then that's that's helpful, I think. I mean, obviously the whole eye for an eye thing, we all go blind, seems to kind of follow through, right? It's just something for me that's always stuck where it's just like, I see your point, I really do. But there's something inside of me that some, you know, if somebody, I mean, look, the initial reaction would be kill that person. I want that person dead. And then you hear about people that they learn. And I, and I, I'm, I, I'm shocked by some reactions and how people are mature enough and are just somehow forgive and say, I forgive them. And they're able to go to the person. And I forgive you. And I can move on. And maybe 
God forbid that doesn't happen to me where I could, you know, one day say, yes, I, I just can't wrap that around my head. It's difficult. I can't wrap it around my head that if you kill someone, you go in someone to a store and you kill a pregnant mother and that we're going to study your brain because you're mentally ill. Right. I don't buy that shit. And then then also the next step, which is the father of that pregnant mother visits them in prison and says, I forgive you. I'm sorry for your struggle. But but if you think about it, if you if you, it's challenging, and I feel the same way. If someone were to do something to someone I love, my initial reaction is like, "Give me ten minutes in a room with them, and then and then do it." But you don't get that ten minutes, right? You don't get that. You don't. But what you do get as an opportunity is the ability to genuinely say to that person and feel it in your own sense of self. I'm 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 over that. I'm past this. I love really? you. Really? Well, do you not think that that is the next level for you? So let's say let's say it's a hypothetical situation. It's, it's tough. This someone, is tough. Yeah, someone who you love gets attacked, and they, they they get murdered. Right. You have an opportunity to go see the person that did it. So there's two there's two traveling points here. One is you go to that per- person. And you go, you're a motherfucker. You're an asshole. You're a cunt. I wish I could kill you. I can't. Okay. Doesn't really get you anywhere. Doesn't really get him anywhere. He knows he's a fucking asshole when he looks at me. Right. The next thing, the journey for him and you is to challenge him on the idea because he thinks you're, you're going to come in with all this rage. Rage. Right. You come in and say, I'm sorry that that happened to this person that I love. I'm sorry that something must have happened to you for, for you to have done that. I love you. I forgive you. I hope that you improve. I wish you well. You're free. You walk away. In some way, you are free of that. You're always going to be that person, but in some way, I'm not fucking acting like I would be there. Right. That is the journey that you need to go. I, I don't. I don't disagree with your theory. The theory is, I mean, I, I think that helps a lot of people. I think that there are very brave people out there who have survived tragedies where their families are killed or something has happened, and they've found it deep inside their souls to somehow attach themselves to the thought, the idea that. If I can forgive this person, I then can be free. And to me, that sounds like too much of a fucking job, too much work for someone who's dealt with the loss of someone they love. Now I have to slowly start to accepting when I just like, just first of all, kill that person. (laughs) Okay. Kill that person. Let them bleed to death. And then they're dead and they're gone and they can't hurt anybody else and they're not aware. And the idea of that person still being alive that killed someone I love, that idea now can be put to rest because they're gone. And then I can start to mourn. Do you believe that there's a psychology maybe to that? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't know how much relief there is for you. And if you read about these people that show up yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe at, that. at the execution of their daughter's murder and they think, this is it, this is the moment for me, I'm going to fucking watch him die. And they watch this person die and they go, it's still there, you know? It has to come I'm from not, you. Uh, you know, I, I didn't say I want to watch the person die. I don't know if that's what I'd want. But right. you, uh, don't, you don't think that person can change at any point if out of rage at 18 they accidentally kill someone? That's a different story. That's a different story. Now, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about one of those things that if someone in an act of rage, something happens and someone's killed and it's an accident or it's, you know... It wasn't premeditated or savage or whatever that is. There's a big difference. But someone that comes in with a knife and stabs people to death or shoots the whole family. And there's a different – each case is probably 
you have to think it through. And you're saying, no, they're all the same, really. Well, but I, I, It's hard to draw that line, though. Too. I think if you start differentiating like that. Well, you have to differentiate if, like, you know, two people get in a fist fight and some guy falls and he hits his head and the other person's family's like, that guy should – no, they got in a fight and that guy died suddenly and that's a different case. You have to sort of understand that that's a different – a different movie. How did we I, get into all this? It's a different movie. Dom, I applaud you. Sorry. I applaud you for getting me into this. We never I, talk about this stuff, do we? Yeah. Well, um, do you well, like we talk, we're talking about this stuff? I do. Why? You sick? <laughs> Why, Rob? I, I don't know. It's just a different topic than we're normally covering. Let's get back uh, into you. Can okay. I get inside of you Let me finish this one thing. Go though. ahead. Go ahead. I'm, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm. These are t- these are the type of conversations that I want to have. I'm I'm never interested in surface level conversations. So. This is cool for me too. But secondly, I have a friend called Slocum who lives in Slocum. Slocum he lives in Peru. He's from uh, South Carolina, and he told me a story. Travels all around the world. Travels to South America. And he told me a story of uh, going to a group of indigenous people in the jungle at a on a day that he 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 wasn't told that it was going to be this specific day. But this day, they all drink this plant that gets them a little inebriated. And if you have a fucking beef with someone. That is the day when you get going with it physically or mentally or what, however you want to do. Kill Can't kill him. But he was there at this party and suddenly these people start having a fist fight. And this woman and this woman and this guy and this woman and this woman and this other lady. And, and he turned to the, his facilitator, you know, chieftain type guy and said, what's going on? And he said, well, today is the celebration of this and we drink this thing, which is why we've got a guest here. But everyone is able to fucking kick off with each other. And the next day they woke up and had breakfast. Nothing. Everything's fine. That... To me, if I had to give you an analogy, a sport that reminds me of that, that would be hockey. All right, okay. Two guys get in a fist fight. They beat the shit out of each other. And after that, they see each other at a bar and they're usually like, hey, man, what's up? That's how hockey players are. Right, right. But wouldn't that be great with real life if everybody could just say, hey, you know, we had an argument, whatever, and the next morning you're like, hey, sweetheart, I love you. Yeah. And that's how it should be. A lot of times it's like that when you get into a physical thing with someone. I live with a pro surfer and we got into a physical fight one night after, you know, getting up to shenanigans and uh, I'm kind of fast, you know, so he, he, he and I kind of like started shadow boxing a little bit and I had open hands, but I started like knocking him around the room. He was trying to get to me and I was just like, pow, 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 pow. And he's a much bigger dude. He got mad. Me. Yeah. And he like broke through. And grabbed me and like threw me over his head, UFC style. Like split my elbow, split his lip. I chip his, I chipped his tooth. Did you start fist fighting? Yeah, we like we're kicking off with each other. And eventually, we were like, okay, stop, 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 because there's fucking blood all over the hardwood floors, and it got hectic. I woke up in the morning and my sheets were all covered in blood. And I saw him the next Jesus. day. Yeah, I saw him the next day. We went for breakfast, and it was a, a huge turning point in our relationship because you'd broken through that that moment. And you'd survived and it was okay. You knew a little bit more about yourself I, than I, him. I, I don't want to do that. I don't. I didn't That's want not, to do no. it. No. It's like, yeah. I think alcohol probably had, it never would have happened if you were sober. Um, there's been times where I've had a friend where, you know, something's happening. They're being passive aggressive and it just won't stop and it's building and it's something that I like, and, and he's like, he's pushing all my buttons the point where it's like, oh my god, and I know right then in my head, I'm like, it's not going to be physical. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to allow this to be physical. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. Are you, do you find? Are you, would you describe yourself as a confrontational person? No, uh, I'm not a confrontational to... person. But I don't like. 
it's, it's daddy issues. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like when people act like I'm beneath them or I'm not smart. It's all childhood shit. It's all behavioral shit. It's all like, you know, saying I'm dumb or something like, you know, it gets, you know, it hits a nerve. I just don't like, I like people to treat me with respect as I do them. And if I'm disrespecting them, they should say, hey, you know, I don't like what you said. And I'm, oh my God, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. People should talk more, but... Uh, but I wouldn't say confrontational. I think I'm competitive and I'm like um, – I think sometimes people think I'm yelling and I'm not. You like mean I think, when you raise your voice? Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm just a loud person. Like in, uh, you know, I'm a New Yorker and so my dad's like that. And I, for, I was always afraid of his voice because he always – like when he yelled, it just always scared me. And still to this day, if he yells, I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? Don't Wait, do he's that. just excitable? Is that what it is? I don't know, man. He could just – turn like that I and mean, it's just like he's just talking like this and then he's just like what did i tell you about that wow and it's just like whoa and that voice just resonates in my little childlike face and I, you know so but i'm not confrontational i don't start fights i don't start i don't want to fight i'll do anything i can to get out of a fight i've been in fights i've got my ass kicked i've kicked some ass here and there I'm not a big guy. I, I don't love it. I don't go after it. But I try to have control of myself. Yeah. I, I try not to take do things that put me out of control. I don't want to be in certain situations. Like if I feel something's weird, like this isn't a good environment. Mm. I'm amazing at feeling something like that going, we should leave now. Yeah, yeah. I'm not comfortable. I want to get out of here. Yeah. Where I think you're different. You're tougher. You're probably you don't think about that stuff and you're like mm. I feel I, you don't maybe feel that sort of No, I think I feel it. I just like the edge. I've always liked the edge. You like the edge. I like living in that place. I'm the guy in my social group that like <clears throat> is I'm the guy that says, "Come on, let's have one more. Come on, let's go to this place. Let's let's talk to that guy. Let's ask him." If you were an Aerosmith song, what would you be? I don't know Aerosmith. You living on the edge. <laughs> Was that Aerosmith? All I know is Walk This Way. I was never an Aerosmith. But that was them and Run DMC. Right, right. But I I see that about you. I see that you're sort of like, and that's why I wanted to get into the childhood thing because I want to see where this started. See, that's why I like to go, like, because I see sort of this picture now of who you are, but were you like that when you were growing up? Were you sort of like a a tough kid? Were you? No, no, not at all. I was a class clown when I was a kid. Um, um, Girls like you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I had massive ears when I was a kid. Um, massive ears. Massive ears, which, like childhood photos, it's ridiculous. My ears are still pretty big now, but I slightly grew into them, which was a godsend because I, you know, it was a sure. struggle when I was a kid. I was um, quite precocious, quite gregarious. I was a big fan of Monty Python at a young age, and I would memorize it like you memorize all that stuff. I just memorized it. I memorized like we were forced to go to mass when we were kids. Um, and I would memorize the entire mass. I could do it. I could sit there and the priest would be talking and I'd be like playing with my toy cars or whatever. And I'd be mouthing what he's doing next. Wait, wait, stop for a second. Do you have photographic memory? Um, I'm, I have good memory recollection for stuff like that. Wait, if you read something and someone like, for instance, as an actor and you have five pages of dialogue, is there no question in an hour you'll have it down? Oh, I can do that in 15 minutes. No, no doubt. If I listen to a song three or four times, I bet you I know 70% of the lyrics. It just it goes in. I, I used to know all of A New Hope up until the point where he goes into the Death Star and starts going around. I could, like My brother used to test me on it. He'd be like, okay, it's the scene where Peter Cushing is about to blow up Alderaan. 
you're Peter Cushing, go. And I just, I just do it like that. And then that gets replaced by other stuff, you know? So I've always been interested in animals when I was a kid. It's whatever you're interested in. So things that I'm really interested in with animals, insects, reptiles specifically, that doesn't feel like I ever really learn it. It kind of comes in through osmosis, you know? Or if someone asks me something, there's almost like a predictive element now to my ability to know stuff with animals because I'm problem solving. If it's an animal in front of me, I can actually look at the animal and, and know what's going on. Or if it's not, I'm able to like go back into these encyclopedic things when I did. Something I did you read, something you there's just watched. There's just innate stuff that you know once you start learning stuff about an animal. Like the, other people might be like, I don't understand that. Like why do reptiles tend to be still? You notice that? Most reptiles, yeah, you yeah. see a lizard. Why is that? You just sit still. You go over to it, runs off. Right. Sit still again, runs off. So the way to think about that is you, you have to think Can about, I guess? Go. I'm saying, I'm going to go, Rob, what you guess? I'm going to say it's for energy. They want to maintain their energy, mm-hmm. so they save it. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. They're cold-blooded, right? Yeah. Cold-blooded means they, they don't get their energy in the same way that we do. We're warm-blooded. We get our energy you know, from the fact that we eat energy, we eat food. It keeps us going. But we don't need to warm up our blood to get moving. These animals at 7 in the morning, their blood is cold. It's thick. It's like syrup. So they come out and they're like, oh, fuck. Fuck this. And they sit in the sun and it warms up and it gets fast. So when you go over to a lizard, a lizard knows, like if that water bottle in front of me is a lizard, a lizard knows if Dom's here, I'm set. I don't need to burn my energy. If Dom's here, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to look at him. But if he gets here, I'm going to go. But I'm only going to go to the edge of that table because I need to keep my energy. Because what if a fucking big elephant comes along and picks me up? Then I need that energy. Is is there a chance I'm cold-blooded? Because <laughs> I feel like my chance. energy levels are that of a reptile. <laughs> They're incredible at conserving their energy because it's important. So when you right. think about these these animals, what is important to them? I was talking to a friend the other day about you know pointless animals, which is an oxymoron. I said there is no pointless animals. They say, oh, what about wasps? What about mosquitoes? What about this? What about that? You can give a reason why every animal on the planet exists because if they didn't ex- if they uh, didn't have a reason, they wouldn't exist. Nature is the ultimate filing away tool, you know? It needs something. Termites. For trees, right? Termites control the uh, propagation of different trees, you know? If you didn't have termites, it would be too many Bees, pollen, and, you know, flowers and plants. Right. Yep. I mean, insects are the most important species of animal on the planet. Now, it feels weird to us because we're very uh, biased towards human beings because we built a computer and we went to the moon and we can record a podcast. That's great what we can do recording a podcast. It doesn't really do anything, certainly mm-hmm. on a global scale for our planet. Think about a beetle, an ant, a worm, a wasp. What they're doing on a cosmic level for our planet is way more important than what we're doing here. They're creating cleaner air. They're creating cleaner soil. They're not leaving a carbon footprint. They've been around a lot longer. They're smarter. They're cooler. They don't cause harm. You know, we think we're incredible because Alfred Hitchcock, because Wizard of Oz, because Star Wars, that is incredible. The art thing, but it doesn't really, doesn't really get us anywhere. Do you know what I mean? The, the smartest thing that we can do now as a species is know every animal on earth, know every tree in the forest, know every plant, be able to live in harmony with our planet. Because once we can do that, then yeah, let's create art. We've got, we got time on our hands to do stuff. But until that point, until we're like not spitting out noxious fumes and... Destroying like, our planet, period. It's That's just it. bizarre to me. I've been watching comedians in cars getting coffee. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Jerry Seinfeld, man. I, I think saw he's that. Yep. Incredibly charismatic. I saw the one brilliant. with him and Jim Carrey. Yeah, just that was fun. 
just he's he's a great comedian and I find him really engaging. Favorite line of Seinfeld's Grape nuts. You open the box, no grapes, no nuts. What's the deal? I like the bloopers where he can't keep his shit together. Um, there's an amazing, it doesn't involve Seinfeld, but there's an amazing moment with um, uh, Jerry Stiller and um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh. oh. Where, she, where he thinks that she she physically can take him. And he says, you, you want a piece of me? And she's like, I could drop you like a bag And they laugh, right? And they start laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so I funny. remember that. But so, so Seinfeld is talking to Bill Burr. And up until this point, everything that Seinfeld said, I'm like, yes, I agree, I agree, I agree. You're radical, I agree. He's talking to Bill Burr and he says, what type of car do you drive? And Bill Burr says, I don't know, I drive a fucking Prius. And he's like, you drive a Prius? And he says, yeah. And he starts laughing and he says, what's so funny? He's like, do you not think that's taking something away from your soul, the fact that you're driving a Prius? And I wanted to pause the thing and I wanted a direct line to Jerry Seinfeld and say, you've got it the exact opposite way around. The fact that you're engaged in, yeah, I want a gas guzzling thing that like is powerful and says, hey, ladies, and spits out shit and no responsibility about my planet, no responsibility about setting an example on my planet because people fucking listen to Jerry Seinfeld. And he said, oh, so you, you kind of have this cool and groovy idea about being, you know, a, a, an eco kind wow. of guy. Yeah. And I was like, no, you got it the wrong way around, dude. He, you sure. know, he sets an example. A friend of mine had said years ago, uh, he was going to buy a car and I said, what are you going to get? And he was getting some fucking Japanese car. I know nothing about cars, some Japanese car. And I, I, and I said, uh, why don't you get, because at the time there wasn't electric cars in the same way that there is now. I said, why don't you get a Prius? And he said, why? And I said, because you have kids. He's got two kids. He's got a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. He went, I don't care. Not that he didn't care about his kids. He just, no, I'd rather get a, a car now that burns fuel and, and the kids will worry about it later. That breaks my heart. And it keeps me up awake at night. That's, that's why I drive a Prius. It's good for you, man. Oh, great. I'm surrounded by Priuses. This is great. This is a, this is a, I feel like te- you're a... Tesla you know, now for you, though. I got Jerry Tesla. Can buy I well, Tesla. here's how I feel. Tesla's uh, sexy know. as fuck, man. It's like a spaceship. Uh, yeah. Have me, you, this, uh, Rosie, have you been in a Tesla? Yes, they're amazing. They're fast, but they're too fast. I think those are too dangerous. You press the thing, it's like you're fucking on a roller coaster at Space Mountain in Disney World. Fuck that. We don't need to be that fast. You be I have a big truck. Right. It was an expensive truck. Is it a gas guzzler? Is it great for the, you know, the environment? Probably not. But until Prius or Tesla or someone designs a fucking truck where I feel like I'm driving and if someone hits me, I'm not going to implode. I'm not going to drive your, your Prius. I feel safe in my fucking truck. I mean, my, my I'm not going to get killed Tesla's unless a tank a hits me. Truck right now. Well, yeah. hey, man, I'll drive a semi if Tesla's going to yeah. fucking make it. And te- my Tesla, I drive a Model S. It's a pretty robust car. Like if I got All in a right, car okay. accident, you know. Uh, I respect that. So your preference for a car is you want to feel safe. Uh, I just I like a truck. I like being higher up. I got some back issues. I'm older. Um, you know, I got, lot, has an SUV, I got a lot of space. Tesla has an SUV. I put my scooter in the back. Mercedes has an SUV. Tesla doesn't have an engine. These are all electric. Enough! You can, Lexus. You can put it in the front. Dude, Lexus. Lexus has an electric car. Volvo has an electric car. All right. Mercedes has an electric car. You know, you and I are going to work on getting me an electric car. I'd like that, Rosie. I, I just, will, because I care about the environment. I, I really I do. And I, and I want to I wanna help out, and I donate, and I do things. And I think, you know, Seinfeld, you might say what you just said, which is, he shouldn't have said that because, you know, it's, look, it's how he feels. It's, you know, and, he, and maybe, who knows, maybe he gives millions of dollars to the environment sure, every sure year. I'm sure he does. 
but you know it is educating and it's it's changing things and every, everybody thinks that they can change and that I think sometimes it's overwhelming for people to think like everybody's going to drive this until it starts to really happen and they see it's more commercialized and they see it's more people wait for everybody else to do it before they jump on that bandwagon. It can be incremental. People ask me all the time, well, you know, because I, I, you know, I make mistakes as well, but people ask me all the time, well, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. Like fucking global warming is such a, first of all, the word global warming is one of the real crimes that was created by some fucking conspiracy theorist about this situation. It's not global warming, although it can be global warming at times. It's, it's climate change. Climate change. What happened with global warming, and fucking Donald Trump's a, a perfect example of of how stupid people can be. He was in New York a couple of years ago now, and it was snowing. He went, hey, what do you mean global warming? Like, it's freezing. Like, f- shut the fuck up. Yeah. You, got, you got it wrong. It's the fact that the climate is changing. It's supposed to be this. It's now this. And yes, the climate does naturally go through different sure. waves, but it doesn't happen over the course of, you know, 8,000 years. It happens over the course of 50,000 years, 20,000 yeah. years. It doesn't happen over the course of, you know, 200 years. The Industrial Revolution is a great, little peak on a graph to show we were doing okay. Suddenly we start burning coal and fossil fuels and oil, and now we've got a problem. So the whole global warming thing needs to get stopped talking about. We need to talk about climate change. But what I do say to people, and I do it, and like I said, I make mistakes, is if you think a little bit more responsibly about two things, what you buy and what you do with that thing that you buy, then you're making a big difference. If you go into a shop and I know you might not have the same amount of money, but that you know there, there are situations where you have choice. Let's say – I bought an electric blower. Electric blower. Right. I blow leaves and shit outside every day. One of the best gifts I got for myself, $79. And you can that, recharge that, that, it? Just recharge recharge it. It's right there. You can take a look at it afterwards. Yeah. It's uh, – it's a remarkable thing, and it's electric, and I feel like I'm uh, I'm doing something. So there's three. The let's say you walk into a shop, and there's three options there. There's an electric blower with rechargeable batteries. Right. There's a there's a uh, a, a gas that is gas, right. gas like, and then there's one that you plug into the wall, and <laughs> and you can stand and do a little Google. Or search me just and, blowing the leaves with my lips, right? Yeah, yeah, or, that right. would be the best. You stand and you go, okay, they're all about the same price. Which what are my choices here on Google? Who who are the most cool and groovy? Who give to other people and stuff like and that? And they say gas. But you still say no. I'm not going to do that. Right, right, that, right. Is that the right I mean, choice? I, it sounds like that's the right choice. Yeah, I would think. As that's long the right as choice. the electric is powerful enough to really take away some leaves. Yeah, in the backyard, folks. And then recycling. Recycling is a big yes, thing. Yes, and I'm doing that. And sometimes I forget. Like I, I have to recycle this. And my answer is yes. Right. You have to do that. You know. So I'm, I'm doing that. I do, I do all that stuff. Did you always like animals and were so uh, all about nature growing up? Was yeah. this something since you were young, you were like, I mean, because when you're growing up, was it like, uh, I want to be an actor. I'm the class clown. People really respond to me. Do I want to be an actor? Or was it both like deep down, you wanted to be more than an actor. You sort of want to be an activist. You wanted mm. to be, I mean, were you, how young were you when you wanted to get into all this? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, do, I do like both things in, in kind of tandem. I always wanted to be an actor. I didn't want to be anything else. There was a point when I was a kid where I thought, oh, I'll be a zookeeper. And then I thought, oh, you have to have a degree in biology. It's very difficult. A lot of studying. I wasn't the greatest student in terms of my application. Always wanted to be an actor. But my dad was a biology teacher. We had some animals in our house. He's a great gardener. My dad has a really good green thumb. But um, we had animals in our house when we were kids. He'd bring home a lizard for half term. He'd bring home a snake for half term. You know, a tortoise. And he educated you on them. Right. Lots of respect, you know. My my dad kind of, he doesn't chat, he doesn't like trumpet about how he behaves. He waits for someone to ask. And I remember him being in the garden one time and I was asking him something about an animal 
and like something something that most people think is indiscriminate an ant a spider or something and he was like well yeah but they breathe they live they move they walk they feel things they you know they want to get to this place you're stopping them from getting to this place who are you to do that like help them on their way if we suddenly found ourselves living on a planet where there's now a huge breed of giants and the giants seem peaceful and we're okay with it but if the giants every so often were just for shits and giggles like putting their foot in front of the cars just to cause traffic you'd be like well why are you doing that? What does that do for you? And what does that do for us? Yeah. You're just fucking with our shit. But, yeah. Help them on their way. By the way, I got to tell you, this is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. <laughs> Let's hear it. I will not. I'm not laughing at this. This is true. I know you're starting to laugh like you think something funny is going to be said. Yeah. It's not. I refuse to kill a spider. Oh, good for you. I won't fucking do it. And Can let I me take this water? Huh? Yeah, it's yours. And that one's yours too. Thanks, buddy. You can drink all the water you want. Like you can put this on my couch if you want. <laughs> Thank you. Do whatever you want. But what's your reasoning behind that? Because they have a purpose. Yeah. And like you were talking about earlier, and they, you know, they kill other bugs and right. other things that are around my house, and they kind of maintain the balance, if you will, like the Force in Star Wars. And more, pro- I don't know. I just I, I read something about it, and I just felt like. You know, I, and I heard it's bad luck, and I'm superstitious, and I heard it's bad luck to kill a spider. And even to this day, when I go brush my teeth, which is at least once a week, <laughs> and no, I'm upstairs, and I'm, before I go to bed, I'm brushing my teeth. I always see these little these little spiders that somehow get up the drain, and they're just trying to hang out. I can see they're helpless. They've got nowhere to go. They came out of this tunnel. They're like looking for the light, and they see it, and it's just this sink, and there's no way up because it's too slick. The porcelain, they just keep sliding down, right? Yeah. And I look at them, and I'm like, and I keep brushing. You know, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm probably in the mouthwash st- stage right now. That's oh, a good stage. Yeah, it's a good stage. Freshing, refreshing. And I finally go, this is too much, man. I got to save you. And I get a piece of tissue and I pick the little fucker up and I bring him outside and I set him in a plant and I feel better about myself. Good for you. Yeah, I do that. So a couple of things to- Rob, don't laugh. Don't scoff. You fucking- Cut, cut. Cut. You don't save spiders. You kill them if they come no, near you. No, I don't you. kill spiders. You don't kill spiders. Good, Rob. Good for you. Are you saying that because Dom's up here and you already hear he's a little feisty and he'll fucking smack you around <laughs> one night when he's drinking too much Jägermeister? Is that what's happening? So a couple of things to talk about here. Mm-hmm. First of all, spiders don't climb the drain. Spiders don't find themselves in... They don't like wet, moist environments like that. Yeah, how'd they get there? They'll fall in. Oh, he fell in. Right. Oh, that freaks me out. No, it's okay. So they're walking around on the surface. They see something down below. Maybe there's some warmth coming up from the drain. So they think, oh, I'm going to go investigate. And then the next part is, you're right. They fall in. They can't get uh... out. So a lot of times I say to my friends who are scared of spiders, who are like, you know, the classic spider in a bathtub. I don't know what to do. What you do is take a towel, take a bath towel, put it on the base of the bath, put it over the side of the bath. Spider will work it out for himself. So sp- don't, help, don't help them? No. Spider won't be there in the morning. You just put, just give it an opportunity. These guys are smart yeah, but fuckers. then he's in my lip balm. I want to make sure this fucker's outside. <laughs> okay, well, that- I like them. I don't want to hurt them, but I don't want the, uh, that, you know, because you hear about bites. People get bites in the middle of the night on their bed. Yeah, There's nothing yeah. you can do about that. Yeah. I've been fortunate. I haven't had a lot of uh, spider bites. Well, you eat them while you sleep too, right? They crawl into your mouth? Uh, I think that not feels deliberately. a little bit of a myth as well. Is it a myth? I hope it's a myth. There's a lot of those I, things I are like, you know, you eat eight spiders a year. Really? By Who's the way, a difference, with those a difference in childhood, because I feel like you're you're a really good person and I feel like your it's parents true. had an influence on you. But the difference I think is also, and we get into behavioral stuff, we get into like, it becomes therapy for me. I don't know if you've noticed that, mm-hmm. but it becomes a little therapeutic. 
therapeutic. So when I hear about your dad bringing home animals and biology and teaching you and educating you, my dad wasn't like that. My dad was like, why can't you catch the ball? You know, he your dad taught, he was, you, taught you stuff that my dad didn't teach me. Why don't you know this? This is easy. This is geometry. Why don't you know this? I could do this with my eyes closed. He was always the smart one. I was the dumb one. So, but so were they supportive of you like for, for acting? Yeah. I mean, they don't know anything about acting. I mean, they know more about it now that I've been doing it, but they didn't know anything about it. Um, they, I, I remember when, on my 12th birthday, turning 12, and wanting to ask for an agent for my birthday, but I didn't an have Asian? To, an agent. Oh, an agent. That would be really Asian weird. Women, an Asian. Yeah. What the hell? That's really <laughs> fucked up. But I didn't I didn't have the I mean in Manchester there's not a huge amount of agents. But I remember uh, uh, turning twelve thinking, wow, I really want to ask my parents for an agent. But I didn't. But my parents drove me to audition. So I the the kind of the second biggest youth theatre in England is Manchester Youth Theatre. You got National Youth Theatre in London. Then Manchester Youth Theatre, I went, did a Monty Python sketch that I they loved remembered. It. They loved it. And then being very cocky as I was at the time, they offered me uh, a part in the company. And I said, I'll only do it if I have a, a good part. And they were like, it's your first year. You might want to wait until year three. And I was just stupid and naive and cocky. So they gave me a good enough part. From there, I got an agent. And then from there, I had two auditions, which my parents, my mum took me on one. For Where a, were they? One was for a soap, which still exists. At the time, it was called Emmerdale Farm. It's now called Emmerdale. And it was it still is a very backward soap about things happening in an English country. Like, I've lost my sheep. Do you know where my sheep are? <laughs> and then a guy said, no, I'm not, I don't know where your sheep are, but I've got two chickens if you want the chickens. You go, no, I don't want chickens. I'll come back and see you on Friday. All right, come back if you want the chickens. Okay, I'll have the chickens. Have you seen my sheep? I did see his sheep. It's down the alleyway. It's always about lost animals. And you were on that. No, I didn't get the You part. didn't get that one. First audition ever, didn't get What it. was the other one? The other one I got, which was the first job that I ever did, which is called, a very catchy title for a TV show, Hetty Wainthrop Investigates, which was uh, a show about a regional detective, lady, retired, busybody, and instead of going into, shuffling into retirement with dignity, she becomes a detective. She catches me shoplifting in episode one, and instead of, turning me in she says if you become the person who does the legwork for me because i'm 65 and you have a scooter and you can you know you can chase after criminals then i won't turn you in so we become this un- unlikely pairing how many know? episodes did you do? oh fucking hell we did four years of it four years so that four you years. became successful at acting pretty quickly yeah and that is the way that i that was how where old I were learned. you i was eight i just turned 18 god and that was where i learned i honestly thought that you walked on set and they said lights camera action That's oh wouldn't that be nice <laughs> wouldn't, that be wouldn't that be nice if you walked on set and they go and michael's here action <laughs> lights camera it's action. more like Tell Michael we need him on set. We need him on set right now. And then I get on set and they're like, uh, oh, you, we got another 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. We got another setup. Uh, would you like a coffee? Yeah. yeah, sure. And I remember going and for my first uh, lunch break, getting lunch and then giving him money. And the guy went, no, no, you don't have to give us money. You work here. And I was like, free lunch? I would, yeah. I would have been the dick that goes, okay, thank you. I'll get your change. Oh, you know what? You, you owe me, but you don't. Yeah, yeah. Get me tomorrow. Get me Every tomorrow. day I get fired. It's like, that, that fuck's been taking my money for like a year. But I tell you what, though, my dad, my dad doesn't know anything about acting, but he, he's given me some really shrewd advice over the years. And the best piece of advice in terms of acting that my dad gave me, I don't know where he got this from because it doesn't speak to his job at all because my dad's done three different teaching jobs in his life. He wasn't like you and I, in and out of rooms, in and out of rooms, getting told no. You know, if you're having a successful week, 
in terms of auditions, getting told no seven times in a week is fine for an actor, you know. Yeah. My dad told me when I was like 17, before I started working, he said, look, if you're going to start going on auditions, what you need to do is you need to go into the audition, have the experience, and as soon as you walk out, it's done. You forget about it. Yeah. Rip, rip up Best the pages. Anybody could ever give. I don't know how. Where, could, how could he found? I that? don't know where he got that from. But it's it's spoken through my entire adult life when I've gone into meetings. And what oh, I'll, what I'll do is I'll I'll either take immense joy in leaving script pages in a room when I'm done. I'll say I'm going to leave these here for security purposes so that you know it doesn't get out. I, I always throw mine away. Yeah. Or just that ripping rip thing, Rosie, yeah. where you just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that but you know what advice my dad gave me? Mm. It's a little different than yours. It was don't do this. <laughs> don't act okay we're throwing away money for college right. you're, you, you're not gonna make it how's your relationship with your dad now uh you know what i feel like he's trying you know we all have daddy issues there's all things i'm sure uh sure. and i think my dad now that his father has alzheimer's he knows my fa his father can't remember them so he's almost forgiven him he's allowed him to be his father again and he's sort of uh this is my psychology i'm not a psychologist but i've been to enough therapists to kind of get an idea of what's happening but I feel like also he went through a second divorce. He retired, and he's like kind of taking a deep breath and going. And I also wrote him a letter because we had like an altercation where it was almost physical uh, a couple of years ago, and it was just like I go, I don't ever want to feel like that again. I hate you. I really hated him for the way he made me feel. And I just wrote a letter and I told him how he made me feel six months later after not talking to him, and. It was a while, and then I got an email, and it was like, all I could say is, uh, just know I love you. That's it. That's all he could say. And it wasn't good enough. But it was whatever. Months passed, and I started noticing him trying. In that letter, it said, you know, hey, Dad, you never even ask who I'm dating, how's work, what's this like, how's your dog, How you, how's your best friend Tom, how's the band, how's the nothing. It's always, how's the Rangers? Uh, they won last night. It's just so surfaced and like, it just felt like a fake relationship. Mm -hmm. So I was just sort of like, this is what it is and that's it. But I noticed that he is, for whatever reason, all these things, including the letter maybe, turning over a new leaf. In the letter I said, you got two good kids out in Los Angeles who have a great life and you could be a part of that and you choose not to and you choose not to care about anything. It's sad. It's fucking sad. It is sad. It's and sad. That's, no, that's what I said to him. <laughs> I'm yeah, not yeah. just saying to you. But, agree with you. And then now I see a change. I always keep people at arm's length. I'm always, I just have to get to know someone before I can really trust them. But, you know, after all the years of being the same person, I just decided, hey, you know, I don't know when this can turn off. Is this, is this an act? Is this going to be who he is now? I hope so. It's a better version of what he was, right. a way better version and pleasant to be around. But I don't know if it's, we're at an honest relationship or anything like that. But, I mean, so. if he's making incremental changes, that's all you can ask for, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. It's difficult to work out the journey that your dad has gone on, right? Because you're I, having your own journey. I have absolutely – see, that's the thing. I have said to him, I forgive you. Mm. You weren't a great father. Mm. You were 18 when you, had, when you got married. You married my mother with two kids. Oh, five and a seven-year-old at 18 and then had me a year later and then had my brother at six years later. You worked your ass off. You broke our whole lives. So I, I get it. I go, look, I know you had a tough time. I forgive you, but you should understand what, I'm, what I went through too. Just because you went through a bad time in your life. 
Yeah, he's not in a position where he's he's rightfully allowed to just dump it on you. Yeah, you like know? you know, Michael, uh, I have I got married young, and so whatever, however I treated you, whatever, or this or that, or mistakes I made. Hey, you know, I don't. I, I think he knows. I think he's. I'm sure he knows. Yeah, I'm sure that's what's. Do your parents for, love your success. Are they really excited about your success? Are they? I think proud of you. I think yeah. I think they're proud of me. I think they're excited about it in the way that seems the most mature and. I, I think I would really struggle if it became hysterical. I mean, obviously, there, there have been times in my career where it's been big and and difficult to deal with. And I'm a big fan of the Beatles. And one of the, you know, I've I've read a lot about the Beatles and, and kind of study them. And one of the things that I love about the Beatles is they talk about this eye of the storm idea, that they're the eye of the storm. Absolute chaos is going on around them at all times, but there's calm in the middle. And I felt at certain times in my career that I can handle it. I know it because I know that I have to talk to this guy from the New York Times. And I know that there's going to be 10,000 people at this premiere. And I know that this newspaper is trying to get this story on me. I have all that information. I have the truth. But my parents don't. My brother doesn't. And my best friend doesn't. So it comes at them from left field. And also they're not equipped to know about those things because they don't, they don't, they haven't thought about this since they were 10. They've not thought, okay, well, if I get to a point where people are going to, recognize me then i need to be pleasant most of the time because what if someone just sees me and doesn't want to come over and take a picture but he's just going to talk about me for the rest of the life you know oh yeah i saw that guy at the grove and he was a fucking asshole to that waiter and that they feel like that period for the rest of their life about you or i saw that guy at the grove and yeah he seemed really seemed really nice he gave me a little smile as he walked off that's how they think about it for the rest of your life you have a responsibility my parents don't know that stuff so there's been times where they've been a little They've had people, they've had new journalists knocking on their door saying, you know, if you tell us this, this, and this about Dom, you'll get X amount of money. And I've had friends that have had that too. And I've always just said the same thing to those people. Come to me first. And if you need money, let's talk about money. And then you won't have to sell a story. You won't lose a friend. I won't lose a friend. Sure. We'll be okay. But in terms of the question that you asked me uh, initially, they're proud in a way that makes me proud. They're happy, but they also take a huge amount of pride in the fact that my brother's a teacher and he's a great job and he has a great job and he has a beautiful kid and he has his own triumphs and failures. They don't, they don't see it. I have uncles and aunties that only ask me about me at parties and my brother stood next sure. to me and it hurts my feelings and I'm sure it hurts my brother's feelings. Yeah. But my mum and dad are never like that. They're like, oh, that's great. You did that TV thing. That's cool. So Matt, what about this? There's no hysteria, yeah. you know? So yeah, but you're also a very humble person, and you're close, and you. I I see that too. If I'm around friends, I I get really weird about you know people are like, hey, blah blah blah, and I'm always you know you always I'm always nice, and but if I have like a you know a friend with me, I always feel we. I don't know. Yeah, I get it. I always feel weird, but I'm always like, I have always an energy with people, and just sort of like uh, just deal with it and act like I'm a kid. Like no, no, it's not a big deal. It's like. It's always we. It's still weird when people come up, you know. You know, and they're like, "Hey, do we know each other." I'm like, "Do we go to college?" No, I do that all the time. Dude, I, I know go- goof on people. Yeah, I know exactly what's going on. Hey, where where do I feel like? <laughs> I mean, my favorite one. That you I know. Do. But like, what have you, you been know, in? Yeah, well, that's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> that's but a nightmare. When someone can't, when they go, I don't. Yeah, I feel like I. And I go, mm, uh, where did you go to college or something like that? But my favorite one that I do, and it's done best in airports or places that you're leaving pretty quickly. You don't want to be lingering in these places. But if someone if someone sees me from a distance and I can tell that they kind of recognize me, but they just can't work it out. You know that face where they're like, 
What do you do? You just go, Lord of the Rings. No, lost. no, no. I don't. I don't take wild things on. I don't. I don't uh, put them out in that misery. <laughs> Could you imagine that would be a genius? Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't put them out in that misery. I make it worse for them. I go over to them as I'm about to board my flight, and I go, Do I know you? I go, Hey, how's your mom? And then I walk off, and they go. He knows my mom? What the fuck? What mom? This just got really weird. Like, Are you banging exactly. fucking Dominic Monaghan? Yeah, yeah. What? Yes. I love that. What? Yeah. You should wow. try it, Rosie. That's a great one. I'm going to hey, try how's it. Your mom? Oh, how's your sister? Like, He's, he knows my sister. And then, you just, and then you're out. You're a fan. Like, what <laughs> the fuck just happened? I always like to do the one where it's like, what were you in? Especially when they're drunk, I'm like, ah, I, I feel stupid. Like, what am I going to, you know, I don't want to name my resume. Half of it's not even good. It's just not good for both of us. It's going to be a weird time. I'm like, no, come on. What were you in? So I'm like, ah, did you see Saving Private Ryan? I'm like, yes. I'm like, I was not in that, <laughs> but I wish I was. I tested for it. Did not get that one. Dude. You know, this has flown by this time. It's already like, it's already like after one. And it's like, but, you know, there's so much I want to get to. And I'm glad we did all these things. But go ahead. We're going to say something. We can, we can get to it. I want to no, say this one thing. Yeah. I, only actors understand that thing of like, dude, I don't want to tell you my resume. But the worst thing, the worst situation for that for me is customs officers. So I go in. I'm not, I don't have, I'm not an American citizen. So I go to the fucking line with so you have all, to go through it. all the other immigrants. And he goes, because I have this O-1 visa that's done by our agency, APA. So we right. can see that it's an agency. You can see it's an artistic agency. Oh, what do you do for a living? This, this is how it goes. What do you do for a living? I'm an actor. Have you been in anything I know? Probably. What do you do, TV or film? I do both. Yeah? Tell me a film that you've been in. I don't really, I don't really want to, or tell me a TV show that, why? I'll arrest your ass. Exactly. What is it? Tell me. Do, why why do, you, do you need to know this? No, I just want to, I've been, I've been in quite a bit of stuff that you'd see. How long have you been working? 20 years. Okay, name the biggest thing. I don't know because I don't know what the biggest thing would be that you might like. Lord of the Rings, or you might like this. I never say it because also, like you, like you said, if you say it now, you're a jackass. Now you're like, do you see Lord of the Rings? No, do you see Lord? But there's a way to do it. Go no. on, go there's on. A way to do it. I want you to be. I want you to be the guy at the customs. Mm. Be Canadian. Yeah. Okay. Time, okay. Okay. I want you to ask me questions. Where I'm from. Okay. Uh, Keep hammering me. Yeah. My, where actually. you're from or what your job is? Where you're from? Uh, we could go into like what movies have you been in? Yeah. Right okay. Now. Michael Rosenberg. So what do you what do you do for a living? Uh, uh, inter- entertainment industry, entertainment industry. I act all that stuff. Oh, you're an actor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. love acting. Oh, thanks, uh, man. Have you um, yeah. been in anything I might know? Uh, probably some good stuff, some bad stuff. You done? T- you done TV? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I watch yeah. a lot of TV. So yeah, just yeah, yeah, t- yeah. tell me, tell me a TV show that I you've done. Know. You know, what's the What's the thing that you've done that you're the happiest with? You're the most proud of? I'm never happy, but uh, I would say, you know, look, you you probably recognize if if it was any, I've always on, always on. Only on one big one. Yeah, big pro- one. It was probably uh, Smallville. I was, oh, I was yeah. bald. Yeah, I was that. Yeah, yeah that. I never that, saw it. That's I fine. It that leave me alone now. Yeah, okay. I want you to fuck off. Okay. I've given you what you wanted. <laughs> but you know, I, I, it's almost like sometimes you're like almost you just want to just spit it out and just be done with it. It's like, do I know you have a Yes, it was in Small uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Okay, there you go. Love that show. Thanks. Got- yeah, I've done that too. But it just it's nothing ever works. It's... You just gotta. It's just par par for the. It's better than saying. I don't recognize you at all. If you're braggadocio, I don't know. Right. If you're right. braggadocio, you're a douchebag. You're right. If you're keeping it under your hat, 
You're a douchebag. You and can't the one, win. The one in, I mean, I don't go to bars anymore, but the one in bars of like, I don't even know who you are, but my friend, I should take a picture with you. Get the fuck out of my face. That's friends. the worst thing ever because- Go away then. Yeah. Why Why are you coming up? It's so negative. I, it's so negative. I don't care who you yeah, are. I don't yeah. even fucking who is, who watch you? television or fucking what a uh, fuck you, but- who are you? My friend said you're on something that I fucking didn't. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm like, who are you? Well, this who are happens. You? I, I, I hope we're, we're not sound like dickheads, but if we are, fuck it, because that's the shit that we have to deal with. That's reality. It's or like, kinda... dude, I got you a Jaeger. That's cool, man. I'm actually just with my friends. I'm not drinking Jaeger. Oh, let me buy you a drink, man. Yeah. You don't drink Jaeger? I'm not tonight, man. Come uh, on. Come on. I bought this for you. I know, but I'm you with my friends. I don't drink. And this, uh, right. Well, you fucking leave me alone. Right. And the whole Rahipnol thing, like they give you a Jaeger and they fuck it. I think I got roofied in Vegas, by the way. You did? I think so. You never fully know, right? I ended up like losing my memory after two drinks and a whole bunch of stuff happened. And I woke up the next day with this girl and I was like, what happened last night? So what do you mean? We went to see the Black Keys. She was like, what what do you mean? I said, I had two vodka cranberries and I don't remember anything. She was like, oh, we, we hung out with a... With the band, we went to another hotel. We had food. That's we ordered room service. Thing ever when you black out and you don't know what the fuck. Two drinks, Rosie. Two drinks, dude. I had. I think I got roofied two years ago. Really? Where were you? I was at a bar in Hollywood. This was many years ago, and I was with a couple of friends, and I it was a drink, one drink, and I go, I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Something's really weird. I feel a little dizzy. You guys got to take me home right now. Yeah. And my friends took me home. And you were puking. And I went in to bed. And I puked once, but then I I was just kind of dizzy and I passed out. Wow. So I think I'd probably get roofied. Yeah. Either that or I got the 12-minute flu, yeah, yeah. which I don't think happened. <laughs> um, look, you talk about this fucking ad nauseum about you know your success. What was it like? Because I know your dad, I read about your dad got you the Lord of the Rings, the books, right? Mm, mm, mm. And he, something about he like said, you have to read this. You have six months, and you read it like quickly. Oh, well, wait. So that's, a, that's like a combo of two stories. So first of all, yeah, yeah, I want to hear this. My dad. The Hobbit. Right. My dad was a big Lord of the Rings fan and we used to travel from Germany to Manchester when we were kids for Christmas in a car and then across the English Channel on a ferry and we would listen to Lord of the Rings storybook tapes on the way. So it's like a six, seven hour drive, all that kind of stuff. So my dad, I grew up knowing about Gandalf and Frodo and Gollum and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, when I got Lord of the Rings, it was, it was a big deal for my dad. But I said to my mom, this is where the story kind of molds a little bit. I said to my mom, it was like, six months before they were coming out to New Zealand. And I jokingly said to my mom, but you have to read the books. And mom was like, ah, it's like 1,500 pages, you know. I was like, I don't want to read about goblins and swords and magic. It's really not my thing. And I was like, mom, just read like the first 100 pages and see where you're at. And then, you know, I'm not going to force you. She read the whole thing. She loved it. She, oh, she's like one of her favorite books ever. Because so, it's, it's, it is a fantasy book. Yeah. But it, it almost feels like a prehistory. It's like an earth... I've never read them. I should oh, read them. They're superb. Should books, I read them? Even yeah, I've seen you them? totally should. Yeah. I was the narrator, the second installment, which was ta- Tower, two, two Towers. Two Towers. And they asked me to be the narrator for a TV special, two-hour TV special. Nice. So I was the narrator, like, in Tower of Terror. What was it called? <laughs> the Tower of Terror. <laughs> that was a ride at the, the two towers, Disney World. Disney the two World, yeah. Towers. Like, in two towers, Gandalf decides to whatever. Right. And I do this thing, and I was like, I'm the, they gave me a whole bunch of premiere tickets, and I got to hang out with Brad Dorff, and right. I might have met you. I don't even know. It was, yeah, yeah. It was just a really uh, big treat. But so when you, uh, you had to audition for Peter Jackson, right? Yeah. How many times? Mm, twice. And then once just for the casting director. Did you kill it? 
Um, I think I did all right. I think my first audition was probably the best, which was with the uh, Hobbards, who are like the biggest casting directors in England. I How big was the audition? How many pages? Uh, it was the scene where, because all the Hobbits read for the same, read the same scene. It's the scene where Gandalf knocks on Frodo's door and asks him if the ring is safe and all yes. that kind of stuff. All of them. Obviously, Elijah read for that. But Sean Astin, Billy, I think even Orly probably read for that. And then he said, you're more of an elf because you're very, you know, particular. Were you nervous going into the audition? Because this oh, is something I, you had been, you're, it was a part of your family. It was a part of. I always have a good handle on my nerves in auditions. I was probably a little bit more nervous than normal. But I was working at the time. I was doing a play in London, playing a skinhead. And I got hit on a on a tube, cold cocked, like was uh, was just heading home. On a tube? On, on, like a, tube, on a subway? On a subway. Someone just poof, punched me and I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then they jumped off. So I had a, a, a more of a yellow eye than a black eye. Who you gets know, like, punched on a, randomly on a tube? Dude, I was a skinhead. I looked like I had uh, no hair. Oh, okay. And someone just looked at me and was like, he's a skinhead. And this is probably one of my Jewish brothers going, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I hate you. Okay, go ahead. So, you- um, so I got punched. So I went for my audition with the Hubbards with a little bit of a yellowy, purpley black eye. And I think there was a little kind of devil may carry type attitude to my personality. I was just like, I'm not going to get this. This is such a huge audition. I'll just fucking do it. And I did it. And John Hubbard, who ran the Hubbard's casting agency, was like, that was really great. He said, um, if, you, if you're interested, hang around in the waiting room because David Bowie's going to come in in the next like 15 minutes or so. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally hang Are out. you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So I sat. You told the story. I'm yeah, yeah, I've said it. But I sat David like, Bowie? Yeah. Let's I, dance, baby. I sat like reading a magazine and then the fucking thin white duke came in and I was like, oh shit. Did he walk in singing, let's dance? <laughs> no, of course not. So did you say anything to him or you just looked at Didn't him? Didn't say anything, I just looked at him. I met him years later with Elijah, went to a concert and uh, he just had the best hair I'd ever seen on the oh, man. Oh my God. And he was wearing like a silver gunmetal suit. And he'd just come off stage and he was all sweaty on stage. And now he was like, no sweat, beautifully turned out, you know, just a great voice. And he just, he was just strikingly charismatic. And his hair was ridiculous. This big, like pomp hair on his head, you know. He once said he was tri, uh, he said he was trisexual. And try anything. Try anything. That's what he said. Yeah. It's good. I like good it. for him. Yeah. So you saw David Bowie. And then I left and then I went and did this play. Skinhead. His skinhead. Great play. And then I finished the play. And then I went to France to do a TV show where I played. Uh, interestingly enough, I grew my hair out, but eventually he gets his head shaved because he, he, he uh, gets killed by firing squad. I played a, a young French boy when the Nazis move into his village in the Second World War. His girlfriend uh, takes up with a Nazi soldier and he gets all pissed off and annoyed and all that kind of stuff. And uh, when it was coming right down to it, I got a phone call from my agent saying, hey, you might need to fly to Los Angeles next week when I rap oh. or New Zealand to meet them one more time. And, I, and you know, they make, fly you in? make sure that you're ready. No, because the next phone call that I got, he said that you don't have to go anywhere. They just offered you the part. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. What? Yeah. Now, when you're doing the deal, they say this is a three-picture deal? Yes, unfortunately. So you knew what you were getting and they became a blockbuster, which you knew it would. But if... They would have done movie after movie. You would have made Dude. 10 million times more. Yeah, I mean, I always tell the story about Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill got paid, I think, $10,000 to play Skywalker in The New Hope. And by the time he's doing Return of the Jedi, I think he got two and a half or three million dollars. So oh, we got a job lot deal. Myself, Billy, and Orlando got the same deal. And my agent spelled it out for me. He was like, look, this is a phenomenal opportunity. You're going to be working. You're going to get a lot of residuals. You're going to make millions in residuals. Great residuals. You're what? Okay. 
What? It's part of the deal. So, but oh, it's all right. It's all right. He was right. like, you're going to work with one of the world's greatest directors. It's going to be everywhere. It's going to be a big movie. But he said, you know, it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of stuff to do. Not a not- lot of money. When you say not a lot of money. Well, to put that into context. Are you context, talking, hey, we're going to give you $100,000 for the first, but come on, it's got to be more than that. It's Lord of the Rings. A little bit more than that, but not that much more than that. To put it into context, when I did Lost, by the time I did the third You were making more in Lost, an episode, probably, than you were making on that in that movie. I did. That's fucked. Yeah. I hear these stories all the time. I hear my friend uh, who's Napoleon Dynamite, John Heater, I think was playing softball playing with us. softball, yeah. He didn't get paid anything from Napoleon Dynamite. People think he's a billionaire from Napoleon Dynamite. Right. He had nothing. They gave him nothing. Mm. He got some residuals. Maybe he made uh, you know, 20, 30,000. Yeah. He didn't make anything. Yeah. So I think the theory is like, Lord of the Rings is one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. Oh, yeah. You must have made $2 million for the first film, $4 million for the second one, <laughs> $10 million for the third. This is These are lies. Yeah, yeah. Someone made money. I mean, it's 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 out there that obviously they paid Pete. He had points on the box office. Yeah. They paid Pete something like two hundred eighty million dollars off his residuals. Jesus. Bob Shea, who ran New Line Cinema, and Michael Lynn, who ran New Line Cinema, I went to their houses. They had Picassos on their wall in Salvador. Were, did, was there any? Did you have any? There was a point where we were all a little bit like, well, everyone seems to be getting paid around us, and we're not, which was kind of a a bit of a fuck off, but. You know, the movies were amazing and the opportunity were, was amazing. And it got me to, you know, it's, it's been a priceless experience in terms sure. of where it then took me. But yeah, I've been in bars and with customs officers where they're like, you're in Lord of the Rings? Holy shit, why are you still working? You're like, well, dude, it didn't well, really actually, shake out. But by way. the way, they can't take away the experience and the friends and the you know right. camaraderie that you had. Because when I read about that stuff... You guys got all, it was your idea to get a tattoo. Right. What yeah. tattoo was it? We got the number nine because there's nine of us in the fellowship. So right. we got the number nine, but it's in, there's different languages in the fellowship. Tolkien, who was the professor of English at Oxford University, was also a linguist. And he actually invented languages that you can speak. So you can speak Hobbitish. You can speak Dwarfish. You can speak Elvish. When I go to conventions, there are people who speak Elvish. They'll come over to me and be like, in Gwenanle. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now, Marie. That's amazing. So how many of the nine of you got the tattoo? Nine of us. All nine of us. So, were there a couple you need a little? But go ahead, go ahead. So there's a language called High Elvish that only the royal family are able to speak. And we were like, oh, that's fucking epic. So we found out what nine looked like in High Elvish. And everyone was in. Everyone. Dude, Ian McKellen, Vigo. Sean Astin. They all got him. Yeah, but Sean Astin, who was kind of like, eh, but he still did it. Billy, Orly, Lige, Sean Bean, we all did it. John Reese davis who played Gimli, you know yep. Gimli? He was like, I'm not getting a tattoo. No way, I'm not interested. But John Reese davis was played for a lot of those movies by a scale double because obviously the dwarves are smaller. So his scale double stood in for him and got his tattoo for him. Isn't that great? Wow. So I love that story. And then, another, and then another kicker to that, which I found really beautiful, really special, was when we went back for reshoots, which would be six months after we've uh, wrapped principal photography, Peter Jackson and Mark Odesky got the number 10 as a way of saying, you know, we're not in the fellowship, but we're kind of with you guys. They got number 10 tattoo. That is fantastic. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love that shit. Um, I mean, we can go on forever about this. I want to do a little spitfire real quick. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, hey, I know you've been here for a while and I appreciate it. Because I, I didn't think, of, you know, some of these interviews, you just get carried away. Yeah. And for this, I feel like I could talk to you for forever because you, your mind goes in so many different places. Yeah, yeah. And then my mind goes into different places. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. It's, me it's too. It's really nice to say, because I get to know you a little better. Yeah, well, you're inside just, me. I'm inside you. I'm inside you right now. Rob, are you enjoying this? <laughs> Did you watch the Lord of the Ring movies? Yeah, did. my you, wife's yeah. a big fan. She, she reads she reads all the books. What about Lost? 
Uh, I watched watch the first two seasons of Lost, and that was it. That's Did good. you watch uh, Perry? What, what was it called? The show? Perry? No, the, the, the show with the, the woman, the 65-year-old woman. Did you? Oh, oh yeah. I've seen all of that. I've seen all of that. Did you see that? Huh? Classic. Yeah. Absolute classic. Uh, have you ever got any diseases from animals? Or a tick bite um, for Lyme disease, or anything that you had to, you were worried about. Um, I had uh, quite a few parasites. I came back from one of the seasons and did like an overhaul kind of medical, and my doctor said you're fine, but he said your digestive system is just full of parasites. And you so fix that now? Yeah, you eat uh, lots of raw fruit and vegetables. No, no salts, no naughty foods. Salt, sugars, processed foods. You just basically starve them of the things that they want, which is cheap stuff. Okay, was that flying lizard in the Philippines just amazing? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you get to hold one? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the great thing about these shows is you get to be closer to those animals. They're quite small. I mean, as big as they get is probably, what is that, five, six inches? Uh, that's... Like 15 inches. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I wouldn't know. Neither would you, Rob. So yeah. don't fucking smile about it. <laughs> Have you ever had someone go on the show with you, a friend? Billy Boyd came with Billy me. Billy Boyd. Who I'm seeing after this. We're going down to the West Side to hang out. Really? Tonight. Yeah. So we'll be all over Instagram. Yeah, we went back to New Zealand. So we did this really cool thing where we went to New Zealand. They have, they have Hobbiton. They've kept it. Bag end, the Hobbit things, mm-hmm. the Hobbit holes. And, uh, Where is this? In New Zealand? This is, this is in a place called Hamilton in New I'm Zealand. I'm going to New Zealand. Dude, go to this place. autograph thing. I'll go to this place. See if you can go. Like, give yourself, ask if they'll just push your trip two days extra and just go down and see this place. It's extraordinary. I'll okay. fill you in about New Zealand if you've not been. Oh, yeah. So what we did was there was a Korean coach trip that was excuse me was, was was waiting to come in and we didn't tell them that we were there so we hid they have a bar prancing pony we hid underneath the bar and when they came in we stood up we were like hey what can we get here and they're like what the fuck on. we're like yeah we have two little bedrooms we just stay here all the time and they were like losing their shit you know i mean what are the odds it's like one in a million slim slim yeah oh what a beautiful story i like oh you'll like new zealand new zealand is an incredible country uh you have a lot of tattoos they're meaningful one um Casper Van Diem gave you? No, that was Kat Von D. Kat Von D. Kat Von D gave you. That's of Yoda, a Yoda quote. Mm-hmm. What's the quote? Uh, it's, it says, luminous beings, are we not this crude matter? Wow. It's from Empire Strikes Back when Luke says, you know, I can't lift up the X-Wing. I'm really struggling. And Yoda has that amazing moment where he says, it's not about this. It's about this. It's what does he say about try? This. No try. Yeah, do or do not. There is no try. I love that. Even when I watched Empire when I was probably nine or 10, and I remember that moment in the film, kind of having that shivery moment of, I don't, I can't fully understand it, but I know he's just said something really important. And then when I went back to it when I was older and wanted to get a a tattoo of something to do with Star Wars, that line's always struck out for me. Luminous, we're luminous beings. We are this, but we're also luminous. We're glowing. We're, We're bigger than all this. You know, we're not just this skin and we're not an ingrowing toenail. We're not like flaky skin. We're bigger than all that. You're one of those guests that make me think. Oh, well, that's good. So I thank you for that. I don't. Well, I don't often think. Rob, <laughs> I feel like that's do you true. concur? He concurs. Um, this is a real treat. Um, Wild Things has been going on for six years. No, three. Three. We, we, we've not done it for a little bit because it started to take up a huge amount of my time. It started out as eight episodes, then became ten, then became fourteen. What is I, it now? Uh, now it's just in stasis because I kind of said to him, "Look, guys, unless you're gonna." pay me danger money because it's dangerous and you can get really fucked up. Sure. We're going to stop doing it. So we're thinking about doing kind of wild things specials and there's certain stories that I still want to tell. But um, do you, do you, is that a, is it really hard a trek of sort of an emotional, physical, uh, you know, when you're going to all these countries and out in the middle of nowhere and what's it like? Do you sleep like in tents and 
shit like that. Sometimes we sleep in tents. More often than not, we've, we'll find some sort of building that we can sleep in. I mean, we've we've slept in brothels before when we've been in like the middle of nowhere. We've slept in people's houses before, but more often than not, we try and find a hotel because the research team is really good. I don't think any of the for me, I can I can handle deal with the travel, the jet lag, the, you know, in and out of airports, all that kind of stuff. And I can also handle the next challenging stuff, but I would say the most challenging thing is that you're working with animals that can kill you and you have to show up because, you know... You have to be mentally prepared. Yeah, I don't I don't drink in the way that I used to, but when I was younger, I used to, you know, drink and then go to work. You could not drink around a monocled cobra. It would kill you. If it didn't kill you, you'd have lifelong problems. You have a doctor with, with you? Um, yeah, we have a medic with us at all times. And well, he has venom, like... Uh, he has anti-venom, but that's venom. kind of a strange one because you probably don't want to administer anti-venom unless someone's dying. Right. You don't really suck it out. That's a myth, right? That's a myth. What I would do, if I got bitten See, by a Rob, venomous animal, yeah. I would go to hospital, monitor my heart rate, monitor my blood pressure, go to hospital and just try and dilute the venom by flushing my entire system with, with saline. Yeah. But anti-venom, because if you get bitten, there's one of the most dangerous rattlesnakes here in California is the, is the, wet, wet, no, the Western Pacific rattlesnake. Oh. Okay, it's one of the most dangerous rattlesnakes in the whole country. One, one of the more medically significant rattlesnakes in the world. If you get bitten by uh, Western Pacific, they're going to give you anti-venom for uh, diamondback. So now you've got two different types of venom in your body, which is not a good idea. They don't have one for a Western And that could kill you, right? It could definitely kill you. So it's better to get it's nothing? Full, it's full of heavy metals. It's full of mercury. It's full of lithium. You don't want to be put in. So what happens if I get bitten by a West Pacific? And by the way, are there any on Lookout Mountain or Laurel Canyon? Yes. I've, I know friends that have seen them on Runyon, Laurel Canyon, Griffith Park. Those, but how long do you have before you die? I mean, I would get to the hospital as quickly as you can. Before you die... I mean, a lot of people survive it, but you'll, you'll like, have... And I'm colorblind. What color was the snake? I don't... Green? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. there's no green snakes. Yeah, yeah. there are... The gardener? No, this... I'm colorblind. I'm fucked, man. Right, right. I mean, if you get to a, to a hospital within 40 minutes, you're going to be okay. It's important to see if you can find out what the type of rattlesnake is. It's it difficult. looked like my friend Isaiah's penis. It was black and long and, yeah. and, and thick. It is challenging. To, it is challenging. I can't differentiate a lot of colors. I'm, right. I'm you know, probably colorblind. Prevention is the best cure, which is what we talked about as a buzz phrase on Wild Things. Prevention is the best cure. You don't want to get bitten. I got bitten a couple of times. The big lizard was the like, major thing that got me. But... um. You know, I, I would not put myself in this situation because that big lizard that bit me is mildly venomous. It's going to open up your skin. It's going to cause a few problems, but it's not going to kill you. I would not get bitten by a black mamba. I would not get bitten by a monocle cobra or an Egyptian cobra or a king cobra. I would not. I would not put myself in a situation where I do that. I would err on the side of caution. With that lizard, I was pushing it a little bit because I was like, well, if it bites me, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to be a nightmare. Um, but that's probably the most mentally challenging is I would go to sleep at night and I'd think, okay, tomorrow... I'm going to work with a monocle cobra. I'm going to work with uh, uh, an animal that could kill me if I don't have my head on a swivel. And that that can kind of get in your head a little bit, you know? This has been a real treat. Bro. Yeah. I mean, this is honestly, this is a, this has been a great time. Cool, dude. I've learned so much about you. I think the one thing that, you know, I, I'm thinking environment, I'm thinking spiders, I'm thinking all these things, the guy at the customs. Lastly, briefly, the one thing I'm also thinking, I always think of these things. Like you say, uh, I don't really let nerves get the best of me. Just talk to everybody out there about nerves. Are you just one of those people that have just you never get nervous, or what do you do to deal with nerves? What do you deal with to deal with anxiety or big situations? Where does your mind go? Where do you not allow it to go? I think if you expose yourself to it 
as much as you can, you get less nervous. You know, I think it's important to be a little nervous on opening night of a play or, you know, a big audition. It's all about breath. You know, for me, what I've learned is if your breath is shallow and it's panicky, then you're telling your whole system, this is shallow, this is panicky, I'm in, I'm in panic mode, you know. But if you give yourself an opportunity to take those deeper breaths that, that Take a deep you, breath for me. Show me what it's like. You, your stomach has to stick out like a pregnant woman. Yep. So you have to go, okay. diaphragm. So you're inhaling right there? Yeah. So your stomach comes out when you breathe. Three or four of them. Like I'll sit in my car, I'll, I'll have my lines or whatever, I'll have a four o'clock meeting and I'll think, oh, this, this is a big guy. Or a, or a big woman that I'm meeting. Nice. Is that good? Yeah, that's great. Should they be deeper? They could be deeper. Cover your mouth as you breathe in. Oh, my breath's not great. Then you're getting a lot of nice carbon dioxide in there. Carbon, carbon dioxide naturally calms you down as well. But I'll have that moment, you know, 10 minutes before an audition, five minutes before an audition or a big meeting where I'll think, okay, I'm going to meet this person. I don't want to embarrass myself. And just compose yourself, you know. Look in the mirror. Do I look all right? Do I have shit on my face? He's a person. I'm a person, you know. Little, little going with the joke. You about seeing me this morning, Dom. No, I was a little nervous. You know, I've had moments. I get nervous. I was nervous because I'm like, hey, you know, what if this guy thinks I'm a dipshit or more of a dipshit after this, <laughs> after this encounter? You know, I've had moments where I've met someone that I didn't, I didn't know it was going to happen, and I've, I've like flop sweated. So I, I have had that. I had this moment once. I don't know where this came from. I was in J.J. Abrams's office. We were talking about something, and Jennifer Garner walked in. And it wasn't expected. And Jennifer Garner's as lovely as I. I just got flustered. I get flustered, dude. And I, I was, I, I dude, do. I was like this. I was pushing sweat. Did you acknowledge it? Yeah, Don't acknowledge it. No, I do. Oh my god, I'm sweating, Garner. Yeah, yeah. It's just your luscious briefcase handle lips about. that she has. And then Manchester United. I'm a huge Manchester. United I know fan. we didn't even talk about. It's that. okay, but Manchester United fan. You hate Leeds. I do hit leads, yeah. So they they just loom large in my life. I spend all week listening to football podcasts. I watch them at the weekend. If they have a good game, I feel right. good. If they have a bad game, I feel bad. So they're they're legends. They're the, they're on these pedestals. And when I I'm much I'm better now than I used to be. But when I used to meet them in my twenties and thirties, flop sweat. Yeah. And I'd apologize. I'd be like, I'm sorry, man. I just you're a big flop de- sweat. You're a big deal for me. They're like, yeah, it's fine because they're used to it, you know. Dominic Monahan, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you today. Thank you, Rosie. This has been a great time. Let's do it again. Will you please do it? Listen, yeah, on, I, let's I live, do it again. I, I'm, I'm, how far away are you? I'm don't, like don't 50, my... 15 minutes. Dude, you're 15 we'll minutes. Do, when you get to a point where you're like, ah, I could probably touch that guy again. We'll do it again. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.